Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I've got to say, just saying the words, Black History Moments, rejuvenates me. It's what makes me want to share a little knowledge with you. That is my motivation. Although people say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does taking a shower. That's why we recommend it daily. So with that thought, my friends, let's slip into a little darkness. On February the 1st, 1960, four black college freshmen, Joseph McNeil, Franklin McCain, Ezell Blair Jr., and David Richmond sat down at a whites-only Woolworths lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina, and politely asked for service. The white waiter refused and suggested they order a takeout meal from the stand-up counter. But the students did not budge. The store manager then approached the men, asking them to leave, but they did not move. They also did not give up their seats when a police officer arrived and slapped his nightstick against his hands directly behind them. Now, lunch counter sit-ins had taken place before. The four young men from North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University drew national attention to the cause by simply remaining in their seats peacefully and quietly. They left the staff unsure on how to enforce their whites-only rule. Eventually, the manager closed the store early and the men left with the rest of the customers. It was a small victory, but one that would build. The Greensboro Four efforts inspired a sit-in movement that eventually spread to 55 cities in 13 states. Not only were lunch counters across the country integrated one by one, a student movement was galvanized. The sit-ins established a crucial kind of leadership and organizing of young people that are going to be one of the major driving forces in terms of how the civil rights movement is going to unfold. The Greensboro sit-in wasn't a random act of rebellion, but the results of months of planning. The students had received guidance from mentor activists and collaborated with students from Greensboro All-Women's Bennett College. They also took inspiration from civil rights causes of years earlier, including the 1955 lynching of Emmett Till and the Montgomery bus boycott. One or two small sparks, my friends, grow into a raging fire that becomes motivation for the black movement. One member of the Greensboro Four, Joseph McNeil, 
resolved to integrate lunch counters after a 1959 trip to New York, a city where he had encountered Jim Crow laws. Upon his return to North Carolina, the Greensboro Trailways bus terminal denied him service at its lunch counter, making him determined to fight segregation. Now, McNeil worked in the university library with a fellow activist, Eula Hodgkins, who encouraged him to protest. Hodgkins had participated in the 1947 journey of reconciliation against racial segregation on interstate buses. This was a forerunner to the 1961 Freedom Rides, just as the 1942 sit-in at the Jack Spratt Coffee House in Chicago was a forerunner to the Greensboro sit-in in 1960. In the late 1959, the Greensboro Four participated in a NAACP meetings at Bennett College, where they collaborated with the women students known as the Bennett Bells on a plan. The Bells resolved to serve as lookouts when the four men took their seats at the lunch counter on the first day. They had a strong black community in Greensboro that was steeped in the struggle and willing to support young people by way of moral and financial support. Another crucial part of the protest was looping in the media. Multiple lunch counter sit-ins had taken place in the Midwest, East Coast, and South in the 1940s and 1950s, but these demonstrations didn't garner national attention. The Greensboro Four wanted their protest to get recognition. So before heading to Woolworths on February the 1st, they arranged for Ralph Jones, a white businessman and activist, to alert the press about their plans. This was the real beginning of TV media. People could see the sit-ins and imagine how they would do it themselves. Word quickly spread about the Greensboro sit-in and both North Carolina A&T and Bennett College students took part in the sit-ins the next day. And as the week unfolded, dozens of young people, including students from the Women's College of the University of North Carolina, flocked to lunch counters and asked to be served. Even had people who saw the sit-ins that were taking place at the lunch counter drive from other states to come to Greensboro. The sit-ins not only attracted new protesters, they also drew counter-protesters who showed up to harass, insult, and assault them. But the acts of intimidation didn't stop the movement from building. After nearly a week of protests, approximately 1,400 students showed up to the Greensboro Woolworth to demonstrate. Lunch counter sit-ins then moved beyond Greensboro to North Carolina cities such as Charlotte, Durham, and Winston-Salem. 
but the police arrested 41 students for trespassing at the Raleigh Woolworth. About a dozen Bennett Bells were also arrested at area sit-ins. As demonstrations spread to 13 states, the focus of the sit-ins expanded with students not only protesting segregated lunch counters, but also segregated hotels, beaches, and libraries. It took months, but on July 25, 1960, the Greensboro Woolworth lunch counter was finally integrated. And counters in the other cities did the same in the coming months. In addition to desegregating dining establishments, the sit-in led to the creation of the Student Nonviolent Coordinated Committee in Raleigh. Activist Ella Baker, then director of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, organized the youth-centered group's first meeting. SNCC was pivotal in pushing the Martin Luther King Jr. to join them in integrating the cafeteria at Rich's department store in Atlanta in 1960. They also pushed King to take a more forceful stance against the war in Vietnam in 1967 and popularized the slogan, Black Power, in 1966. SNCC activists such as John Lewis took part in the 1961 Freedom Rides, the 1963 March on Washington, and the 1963 Freedom Summer effort. They also worked with the NAACP to get the 1964 Civil Rights Act passed. It may be easy to think that the sit-ins were about eating next to white people or about a hot dog and a Coke, but of course it was more complex than that. The movement was about simple dignity, respect, access, equal opportunity, and most importantly, the legal and constitutional concerns. So there you have it my friends. Four young men who took a stance, who had the courage to go against the establishment and laws as they were, knowing all the while that they would be spat upon, that they would be beaten, that they would be jailed, but determined to make a change in Greensboro, North Carolina. And to quote John Lewis, found themselves getting into good trouble. That music tells me that it is that time, my friends. But I leave you with this thought. To achieve goals you never achieved before, you need to start doing things you've never done before. Until next time, it has been my honor.